Hi, I'm Steve. And I'm Simon. Welcome to the Business and Beers podcast. Where we chat to our guests about real life experiences and the practical steps to their success. With a ton of knowledge bombs getting dropped along the way. While enjoying a beer together, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Good morning, good afternoon. I don't know what other languages uh, we need to speak. Uh, to all our faithful Business and Beers uh, podcast listeners, um, we're super excited to be joined by Danny Donobriga today. Um, yeah, all the way from, uh, I, I don't know if it's sunny yet, but uh, all the way from Cape Town, uh, a place that I completely envy myself. Um, so yeah, Danny, we, we're going to jump straight into it. So our favorite questions, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then, um, you know, the real curveball, tell us one thing that not many people know about you. Gents, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, Simon, Stephen, uh, great to be here. It is sunny in Cape Town, um, but it is Cape Town. So we have multiple seasons in a day and uh, even more in a week. So it's been fun at the moment. It's sunny enough for me to uh, enjoy my beer. It's uh, cracked, cracked open for the show. I'm ready to go. Um, okay, a bit about myself. So, um, completely failed as an architect, uh, as in didn't even get into architecture school. Thinking back, I can't even tell you why I wanted to be an architect, but at, the, at some point when I started studying, I thought that was a great idea. Um, long story short, did some construction management, uh, did a course there called Thinking About Business, uh, which I really love. Figured out that's more my steam. Uh, went to Salenbosch, uh, studied marketing, um, did a year of brand management with Triple A. Thought I was going to be a brand manager for a beer brand, obviously. Um, ended up in advertising and haven't looked back since. Loved it. Uh, loved the thrill about working on so many different uh, brands, accounts, industries. Uh, had a couple of chances to work for some beer brands, so very happy there. And um, yeah, that is quite a curveball, uh, something that people don't know about me. I have no idea. I am pretty open book usually, but I can tell you I am a moderately skilled vegetable grower. That's not very exciting, but we'll probably <laughs> switch back to something more interesting when it hits me. Yeah, I think just to um, go back, because just before we started recording, Danny, you were chatting to us a little bit about um, you worked at previous agencies, correct me if I'm wrong, and now you kind of running your own thing. Speak to us a little bit about the experience of going from working quite high up in agencies to now running your own thing. Do you enjoy it? Would you go back? Um, all of that. Oh, it's a question that I um, struggle with many a night at like two o'clock in the morning lying awake in my bed. Um, no, it's not quite that bad. No. So what happened is I started in a I started in a, in a, I thought it was a full service small agency. Turns out it was about 90% of the work we did was PR related, which was fantastic. So I got a great grounding uh, in the PR side and learned so much from that. You know, when I was studying at one point, PR was like four pages and they're like, you don't even have to study that for the exams, but it's such a valuable tool in the marketer's toolbox and in any business toolbox. And it's so underrated. Then I went to a small agency called uh, 60 Layers of Cake. Um, I'm still involved with them as a creative strategist on the global leg on the global level. Uh, we're a, a global kind of pool of ex talent that work together on, on some big briefs, which is exciting. 
Um, and, you know, after that, I went to, uh, there was a small stint at the Jupiter Drawing Room, and then I joined Licorice as Social Media Director. Um, and, you know, throughout all of these agencies, there was a, a, a very strong entrepreneurial flair um, with all of them, and very, for most parts, very open management. So, you know, as a, as a young strategist and as a young creative, I had a fantastic opportunity opportunity to be a sponge that I've always been I've always been a sponge I'm infinitely curious about everything uh, which probably doesn't help my very short um, too much from all of these um, leaders in there from colleagues co-workers uh, the management teams at the at, at the time and what happened when I was at the big agency you know we were running quite a big uh, I was running quite a big team we were working on 45 um, of the kind of biggest social brands in South Africa. And what happened was for two years, I was basically a people manager. And I just really wanted to get back to the creative side of things, get my hands dirty, doing the stuff that I enjoyed. Um, and that's when we started Kilmer Cruise in 2015. And, you know, that yeah, it started quite spur of the moment. You know, I've, I've reached out to other people that kind of started the same time as us. And, you know, everybody had a different approach. Some of these guys... Um, they're running great agencies now and, you know, they took um, 18 months to plan and, and start their thing. And um, we literally did it in a weekend. <laughs> I, you know, I had an opportunity come up. Um, I phoned my, well, my now business partner, Francia Vessels, uh, sent him a text and said, uh, mate, do you want to start an agency with me? And he's like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And this is on a Thursday. And um, we said, oh, cool, we'll meet up on Sunday and hash out the details. And on the Saturday, I got like a panicked little call from him. It's like, okay, so, you know, I need to chat to my wife. We're really doing this. I'm like, yeah, we're doing this. Let's go for it. And um, yeah, we started it, uh, you know, put the details together. And about two months later, we were, we were live. And um, it's been now. So May this year will be six years down the line. Um, so a lot of fun, a lot of lessons. Um, you know, it's been it's been some of the yeah, it's been some of the most rewarding experiences of my life, but also some of the toughest. But it's definitely something that I will not go. You know, I wouldn't be able to go back. Oh, that that's incredible. I think the the first thing that I want to take a note of, because someone's definitely going to ask this, there's a definitely a big relation to food and beer in your journey. Eh? <laughs> um, working with uh, you know like licorice and uh, all the beer agencies, but uh, so, I think you're yeah. <laughs> no, so you know when we worked for sixty layers of cake, we yeah. were like we we're a small startup team, so everybody did everything, and I would you know, you'd get like whoever's closest to the phone would answer it, and like so do you guys do birthday cakes? I'm like. No, oh, but no, we can no. if you want. <laughs> <laughs> if the budget and the brief is right, we can do it. <laughs> but but I think your story is like it's so inspiring because um, a, a lot of guests that we've kind of had on the show, um, like you said, had this entrepreneurial flair and you know kind of went to varsity, studied, boom, started their own company. Um, but I really relate to your story because I think you know looking at my own personal journey, as Steve said, you know I'm I'm in the sales role. I've worked for multiple organizations, but I think there's so many people out there that can relate to the story that you're speaking about, because if I'm picking up and correct me if I'm wrong, when you left Varsity, you didn't really have this clear idea, okay, boom, like this is exactly what I'm going to do. You kind of, you know, charted the waters of working in different uh, companies. You got, uh, you know, this wavelength of different experience, um, working through this thing. And, and I think 
the the thing that I want to touch on, what was that epitome or tipping point that made you wake up and go, boom, I'm going to start my agency? Because a lot of the people that I speak to personally are almost waiting for this epitome moment to say, I need to start my company now. But people, a lot of the time, can't really explain that. Can you maybe go into detail what was going through your mind at the time where you were like, yeah, like this is the time that I need to pull the trigger and jump into my own yeah. thing? Yeah, it was that Thursday. So try to think back to that Thursday six years ago. Well, Pusa yeah. Thursday, <laughs> <laughs> student nights. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was before Pusa Thursday on the day, but that Pusa Good Thursday was, 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 uh, was, was thoroughly celebrated. Good no, man. so I was, I was, you know, I was, I was a bit frustrated with the, with the big agency experience. And, you know, it's not, I'm not saying taking anything away from, from that agency. We did some incredible work and they continue to do some incredible work. Um, I just never, I just never really fit into a mold, I think. And um I kind of wanted to do things my way. I guess I can be a little bit stubborn at times. Um, so I just, you know, I wanted to do things my way and, you know, an opportunity came up and, you know, it wasn't even a big thing. Um, someone that was in my network, you know, called me up and said, look, you know, we, I've, I've got a few projects. This was in the wine space. I probably shouldn't say this because it's going to sound like I just work with boo brands, <laughs> um, but it was in the wine space and it was for a fairly big wine company. And, you know, at that point we had competing business and there was just this flash that said, you know, I could do that. And, you know, it was a quick evaluation from there where I went, okay, I'm in a good space in my, in my life right now. You know, I thought about Cruncher and you know, at that point um, we didn't have kids. Um, I think he was engaged. I was not engaged yet. So, you know, we had a lot of flexibility. We were in a good space, but, you know, we were kind of frustrated where we were. And we, it was one of those things that I've always had in my head that I would want to own an agency, but that felt like a 15, 20 year kind of plan in the future. And then it just struck and, you know, it was like, why not now? Yeah. Have a run at it. And you're young enough, if it flops, go back to what you were doing. Like, yes. that's the thing. And, you know, and, and, and I realized there's an immense privilege in that. And, you know, we, we bootstrapped it literally from nothing. Um, we had a little bit of savings that we burned through in like three months. Yeah. And uh, no outside investment. Uh, we had the small project client to start with. Um, so looking back, I would probably not do it. Like I would, you know, it, 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 the risk it, was was it was terrifying, but somehow <laughs> it was just like, you know, I think it was that point in time where I was in a good space in my career, ironically, a little bit frustrated where I was, but otherwise good. And it's like, you know what, if this bombs out in a year or two, I can just go back to doing what I was doing. And I realized that whole process, it was, there was a lot of privilege in there. And it wasn't also, you know, we also had a great support um, structure around us not that we needed them financially but i mean the encouragement the mentorship um the accommodation and the kind of compromises that other people in our lives had to make to help us get there and they all believed in our vision just as much as we did mm -hmm. and you know without them we wouldn't have been able to do it yeah yeah i just want to quickly ask as well because um one of our previous guests we asked a question as well so you obviously told us that thursday you had the opportunity the idea you called francois 
He called you in a panic on Saturday. On the Sunday, you guys met to flesh out the idea. Now, you um, in previous roles were strategists. So speak to us. How much planning? Was there like a business plan you put down? Did you do a SWOT analysis? Did you guys um, put down points? How are we going to differentiate ourselves from all the other agencies? How are we not going to be like the big agencies? Um, or Just speak to us quickly about how your planning process went. So it's a good question. And we, you know, I think instinctively all of those little lessons that I, that I was lucky enough to learn throughout the years just came kind of rushing back over that weekend. And what we did was we immediately kind of looked at what our frustrations were with the industry. Like there's too much jargon and all of that. We just said, you know what, we're going to be an agency that doesn't use jargon. And at those early days, if we use jargon, we would like refund you some of our project back. If you if you found jargon in our in our kind of proposals, you know, we would like refund you a little bit or whatever. And we just use those kind of things. We said these are the stuff we want to change. This is what we want to do different or better, and we kind of stuck to that. And to be honest, we still have taken out our positioning, and we made a bit of a point in the sense that. One of the things is that we always wanted to, well, and we, we, I learned this throughout the years from, from the other agencies as well. They all started and they, you know, look bigger than you are kind of thing. And what happened was we did that because we didn't want to just be a couple of guys freelancing. We wanted to out of the gate, be professional, talk like the big guys on a day-to-day basis. We're involved in your work. Um, it's a much more relaxed approach to it. Uh, it's not all these layers of wastage and that's something. But what we did was we stuck with that too long, that kind of idea of being bigger than, well, look bigger than you are. And what happened was we actually saw that we didn't get to tell our own personal story that much. And that's something that we, um, that we really misstepped a little bit in looking back. Um, but that's okay. You know, we got through it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the things that really pulled us through was, um, and I can speak to it a bit later if we get to it around the kind of four levers we use in our client relationships, but it was really our network, you know, our personal kind of business networks that we had that we could rely on. Um, and we, you know, we just, we spoke to as many people as we could. We asked people questions and everybody that, you know, came back to us said, focus on the work, the work, the work, the work. And we tried to do that. And, you know, no matter, we, at that point, you know, it was, it's a very undifferentiated market. So you can go, cool, you know, whatever wanky term here, or I do this, or I do that, or believe in dreams, or we make magic. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. We've got a, we've actually got a list of 700 agency taglines and you go through nice. them and they just become like, eh. and <laughs> not that they're wrong. There's some that I really, really love, but we just figured like, no, you know, we're going to have to make a bit of noise and we're going to have to, the work is going to have to speak to itself. Nobody's going to hire us because of a fancy tagline. They might get us noticed, um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be the work. Yeah. And we, so- we managed to, sorry, we managed to swing by a little bit on our name, uh, Kilmer and Cruz. Yeah. Uh, people kind of found that intriguing and always asked about it. So that was almost our tagline in a bit. Sounds like a law firm. <laughs> so yeah, but that's <laughs> we wanted to we wanted to have that kind of old school gravitas, like young and yeah. Rubicon, Saatchi and Saatchi, and then 
Vessels de Nobriga didn't have the same ring. That sounds like a law firm, right? Yeah, Vessels <laughs> and, de Nobriga. Uh, yeah. And we're like, do you know what? Yeah, we were bouncing around ideas and, you know, French is an incredibly big form buff. And, you know, we, at one point, we were going to be Burgundy, Fantana, Kind, and uh, what um, Anchorman is. Yes. Like, no, that's way too, way too crazy. <laughs> and then one day, Francia just texted me and like, Kilmer and Cruz. And I'm like, done. So I'm in a box a filled with emotions now. That's the one, glass case. Glass case of emotions. Um, so that's, it's Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise from Top Gun. Uh, yeah. which is one of was my favorite movie, but it's something that we've argued about many drunken nights about who the better pilot is and all of that. So we decided we'll go with that. And um, it just felt right for us. And we you know, played up the top and angle a few times, but not too too much, but it's always a good conversation starter. Yeah, because I, I think that's, that's something that uh, I wanted to also go on in terms of the customer. And, you know, this might lead into what you're talking about on the four pillars. Because um, I know on our previous episode, we were chatting and it was exactly like uh, Steve was asking around, did you have your SWOT analysis, the business plan? And it sounds like you guys had a fair idea. Okay, great. This is the direction you wanted to go in. So let's say, okay, great. You've got the business plan. I've got the idea. Now to get into a bit more detail, how do you pitch your first client? Because did you guys do advertising? Did you do a marketing campaign? Or was it someone in the network where you're like, guys, We've got this insane idea. Let us work on your business. We've got a feeling we can change it. Like, can you maybe talk us around what that first client was like, what you guys did, and you know, maybe even how you then managed to get your second and third and whatever? Cool. So before I jump into that, um, King James is a very big and well-known uh, independent agency in our industry. And, and Alistair King, one of the co-founders, they actually have, a, you know, he has this thing where they never had like a long-term plan, but they had 42 six-month plans. And wow. I always thought that was an interesting approach. And then like 20 odd years yes. um, been around. But in any case, so um, how, obviously when we started, we had that first project um, kind of on the go. We still needed to pitch for it. Uh, okay. It was a series of uh, small website builds we needed to do, uh, which is even something we don't really do today. Um, we've got a like an outsourced dev yeah. partner that we work with now, but uh, we pitched on that and we got that. And then after, so that kept us busy for like uh, two months. And then after that, it was literally a case on that in that first meeting, we made a list of clients that we really wanted to work with. And, um, you know, we just started cold calling them. Obviously within reason, there was some stuff like Red Bull and Coca-Cola, which we really didn't was it still yet. like cold calling as in like pick up the phone, telephone book, yellow pages? Hey, how's it put? This is who we are. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> so I'll tell you one story now. So um, so we had this, 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 these wine websites that we were building. And then we had an idea for, uh, the, it was 2015. So it was the Rugby World Cup, that terrible Rugby World Cup we had. We had an idea for Assets, which was one of the Springbok sponsors. And yes. we literally phoned them up and said, look, we've got this idea. Do you want to hear us out? And they're like, okay, cool. Come in. Um, we talked about it. We, you know, we got to meet the team, presented our idea. They said, yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Didn't go for it. But about two weeks later, we got a call and said, look, the gears is so bad around the box. You know, we're not moving. We're not moving t-shirts. Uh, we're not moving shirts. Uh, can you guys help us come up with a campaign? And we were like, yeah. Yeah, sure. So we made a campaign. We did this box nomination thing. Um, it wasn't that whole nomination 
crazed by yes. the Bach nomination. Uh, was on uh, Good Hope FM radio. Some of the other radio stations that got picked up on one or two national morning shows. So it was a big success for them. And then after that, they started using us for a few more campaigns. So we, we had about a two and a half year relationship with Essex, wow. um, which was great. And I it even extended a little bit into the 2019 World Cup where we did another project with them. So that was great. And that was literally just us calling them with an idea. So maybe then, before you carry on, because people might not get that. So you guys physically picked up Yellow Pages or whoever. No, it was the, the web. Well, yeah, web yeah, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you found the contact that you wanted, like literally just brazen shot of tequila, picked up the phone. Hey, like, oh. Yeah. So That's I'll incredible. tell you now. So our, our, one of our biggest clients is a is a pet is a leading pet food brand. They're a global pet food brand, uh, the biggest premium premium pet food brand in South Africa. And it was in that year, what was at the end of that year, uh, 2015, going into 2016, that we just, we phoned them and we said, look, we, we want to work with you guys. We love your product. I feed yeah. it to my cat and we believe in your brand and we can do some really cool stuff for you. And we got like passed on to the digital manager and we met with her. And about three months later in March, 2016, no, it was end of Feb, we got a call that said, uh, look, from the, from the two brand managers and said, do you want to guys want to use campaigns? And we're like, yeah, cool. No, we uh, don't want to. It sounds like a bad no, idea. No, no, no never. Like <laughs> We've got so much work. We can't do this. We can't do this. Uh, I've got to play with my cats. Um, so we went in and we were pitching against the incumbent agency. And apparently, so there were three campaigns. They only pitched on the one. We did all three in one go. And wow. it was on the long weekend in March that we pitched that Friday. And on the way back, the one brand manager called us and said, look, guys, it's a long weekend. I'm not going to let this keep till Monday. You guys have got it. Amazing. We want to work with you. Uh, the, one, they, the incumbent agency is still going to roll out one of the campaigns. The other two campaigns are yours. And that was it. And it's now five years later. They're still one of our biggest clients. And we still have a fantastic relationship with them. And it was literally picking up. Look, look for every one story like that, there's like a hundred yeah. other phone calls. <laughs> Um, actually, our, sorry, I'm rambling, but our second largest client at the moment, they're a medical aid. And we called them up because we liked what they were like. They had this kind of no nonsense tagline kind of thing. They were a smaller medical aid. And we're like, okay, cool. We want to work with these guys. And we phoned them up. And um, they said, look, we, we have another partner we work with. We don't have any kind of work at the moment. But do you know what? For the fun of it, come in. You know, yeah. come chose your stuff. Did that in that meeting, the principal officer said, you know what, I've got a brief for you guys. And he chucked us a challenge. And um, two, two weeks later, we were in presenting our ideas and we're still working with them. So, wow. Yeah, I you think just need to, yeah. it's that proactiveness. You just need to go for it. Mm, and I'm also going to call it, it's also like, um, it's exactly why I left big agencies and did my own thing is because you get to choose who you work with. And it's amazing because I think it's exactly that where you guys sat in like, that's such a cool brand. Let's try. And I do agree with you. There's obviously a hundred stories that you're not telling us now where the calls ended really badly and you just couldn't get past the receptionist or anything like that. But I think it's just really encouraging for everyone that listens to the show that, um, 
that you guys didn't give up and you just kept going after what was important to you. You know, like that brand, I wanted to work with them. Let's try. If they say no now, like you said, two months later, they give you a call. If you leave that impact, they'll give you a call as soon as the other agency drops the ball. I just want to quickly, because you mentioned it, because um, now um, I think you called it the four levers that you guys use right now with your clients. Um, I'm assuming that's just to keep them like you said, this um, pet food brand that you've had for five years, that's incredible. I, I don't hear agencies keeping brands for that long. So can you speak to us about those four levers? Yeah. And it's something that, you know, it came out of an exercise we, we did not too long ago. It was towards the end of last year in the beginning of this year where we, you know, you know, it's such an ironic thing because we, we've done a couple of positioning jobs and brand strategy jobs for some of our clients throughout the years and on project basis, and they've all been really successful. But we haven't really been able to define that for ourselves. And, you know, we started looking at, at our long-term relationships, um, why they were working and what, what are the levers that we have in those relationships to keep making them work. And we came up on... On, on four of them, and I can touch on each of them just briefly, but it's knowledge, trust, energy, and relationships. And I think it's very, very relevant to anybody in the B2B space, especially, um, especially you're in a service space. And what we've realized is that in working with, our, with these partners so long, an immense amount of knowledge about the business, you know, and it is... It's small little things like take for granted. And, you know, some of them have been through rebrands and um, that come from global or rebrands that we've done or, or been involved with or refreshes. But there's so much knowledge that you build up about the brand, about the customer, about what makes them different. And, you know, you go into a new client, you get the onboarding and you learn the USP and all of that. But as you work, you realize that there's a lot of nuances towards this. So we've built up this incredible kind of agency knowledge about these clients and these industries um, that we work and we continuously supplement it with uh, other inputs and other forms of inspiration and, and, and other forms of industries that we work with and we keep feeding it into, into this knowledge base of us. Um, and that's really something that, that we do. I think that's quite special. Then of course there's trust. And, you know, you might not have all four of these levers when you start out with a new client. Some of them, like the knowledge and trust needs to be built and earned. But it's good to think about them from the get-go. And you can identify um, what you, you know, how you're performing on them. You could probably even track them if you want to and give it, you know, a score. Um, you know, you could, you could build a relationship between you and your client up front, like a relationship agreement. And you can, you know, combine score you guys well, yourself on these things. Um, and I think the trust and as agencies, we often go like, ah, oh, you know, we're not a, we're not an agency, we're a partner or whatever, you know, there's a lot of that in the industry. And then we get, and then we get frustrated that we don't get access to the kind of people in the back end that we need or don't get access to the processes. Or we don't get access to the information, but that comes with trust. You know, and as you get that trust, you get more chances to build up that knowledge if you're proactive about it. And then that proactivity stems to the third lever, which is energy. And that's the thing that you can employ from the start is that energy. And it's being proactive 
it's going the, yeah, I hate saying this, but going the extra mile, but it's just, it's literally caring about that client and their business so much that you just pour an incredible amount of energy in that. And you don't drop that energy. You keep that energy up there, no matter the size of the project, the small stuff, the big stuff, the stuff that irritates the hell out of you, keep that energy and the trust will build. And as the trust builds, the knowledge will build. So these levers feed off each other. And then the fourth one, obviously, is relationships. And it sounds stupid because B2B is relationships, but it's important to build those relationships within the business, um, with your people, with your team, with their team, but also getting to know not just their business, but them as people. What is their role in the organization? Where do they want to grow in the organization? How can you help them achieve their goals, not just their marketing project goals, but their personal goals? In the, and from an agency side of view, it's usually stupid things. It's after the campaign's done, do a quick infographic of the results and send it on to the brand manager. You don't charge them for it. It doesn't take you a lot. You've already got the info, but it's something beautiful and shareable that they can send on to their team and their managers and it makes them look good. And it's small little relationship building things like that. And the one thing we work across the entire business division and what we found that during lockdown and so on, now that a lot of them are working from home, we're almost the glue because yeah. we would speak to one of the brand managers and do you know what? In professional affairs, they're actually already developing something like this. Let's tap into that. And you have that meeting yeah. and it sets up, you know, and because these teams used to be close to each other and they're bigger organizations than you are. So yeah. there's a lot more moving parts to it. They don't always mm -hmm. talk or communicate and it's also new for them. And then you're here, you're working on all these divisions and you're building these relationships. You become that glue. And I think, yeah. you know, whether it's a bigger organization or smaller one you work with, building those relations, being that glue, um, and being that sense check and common sense and also helping them to find efficiencies. I think that yeah. works magic. Yeah, that, I, I mean, that's really inspiring the four kilo, uh, four pillars to, you know, like your customers and on that, because I think that that really identifies your, your brand and your niche. And I think when customers work with you, they've got a clear idea of exactly who you are. So two points that I made, and I think the, the first one, and, you know, to be, yeah, I think we, we kind of share the same sentiment, but too often I find companies or startups that they super passionate, they want the business and they're like, ah, and they come running at you like these Spartan warriors and they get the business. And then it's as if these Spartan warriors take off this costume and then the customer service isn't there, the business isn't there. Mm -hmm. And then I think to myself, okay, great guys, like you were super keen to take my money. Now that you've got my money, like where's the energy, you know? And and too often I see companies that are like that. And, and it really is true what you're saying is, the energy that you start the deal with is the energy you got to end the deal with. Um, and like you say, having those surveys and stuff, because I think too often we get stuck in this map where, you know, if you look at a business like the circle, companies get to that 75% points. And then that last mile of, hey, Mr. Customer, here's a survey of the work we did, or this is the impact we've done. Because then the customer's like, oh, wow, these guys actually like really cared about my business, you know? Um, and then the, the second thing, which I think was so inspiring about what you're saying, and, uh, you know, it, it would be good to get your input, but I, I think a lot of the times what happens with businesses is you wait for the opportunity. So, um, again, like my digital experience is very limited, but um, just getting, you know, the, the conversation going is like a lot of the digital media agencies and agencies wait for the pitch to happen. So you wait for the company to phone, okay, cool, come and pitch my product. 
But what's truly inspiring about you guys is you actually created the pitch. You picked up the phone, you phoned the company, you said, guys, we actually want to work with you. This is what we can do differently. And although maybe something didn't happen then, you front of mind, because I think that that's also what people need to remember is like, don't stick to the traditional mold of how everyone's doing it. You know, don't wait for that inbound lead to come or the phone call to come to you. You actually need to chase the business. Yes, it might not happen now, but that company is going to sit there and say, like in his next board meeting, I can imagine they were like, oh, cool guys. So we're looking at a strategy company straight away is going to be like, oh, dude, you got to hear these Danny Oaks. It's like, find me today. Like wildest idea that he had. And they sit there and they're like, wow, this is, this is refreshing. You know? Yeah. No, you're 100% correct. And I'm actually, I'm an incredible pro at that. At a lot of times is making excuses not to do stuff like that. Yeah. I'm a hundred, I'm, I'm so, you know, there was like a <laughs> Olympic medal for stuff like that. I would be yeah. triple gold, you know, I, you know, we went through a little bit of a brand refresh and then, you know, the website wasn't completely done yet. And then I was like, Oh, I'm not going to send off this now because I'm waiting for the website or yes. now I'm waiting for this. or I'm waiting for my business cards. Or I'm a pro at that. And it is yeah. such nonsense. It is such nonsense. You just need to do it. Sometimes I have to kick my own ass a little bit, yeah. to, you know, get out there. And, you know, there's, there's this incredible thing, just it's momentum, yeah. right? And, and it is like, I don't, you know, no matter what you believe in, but the universe sometimes just recognizes this momentum and it comes. You might get that one positive response on a call or an email. And the next day, it's like someone that you spoke to a year ago just yeah. kind of messaged you out of the blue, like, hey, we need help with this. Or it's something. And then it's the next thing. And then there's like, a journalist calling you up to say, you know, do you want to answer a few questions for an article? And then yeah. when that momentum is there, just go overboard. Just yeah. phone everybody on your list that you've been ignoring and just yeah. go there yeah. because that, that momentum just kind of feeds itself. That's the thing, like, you know, coming from my sales environments, like your cold calling, I promise you, even to today, like I've, I've uh, you know, connected with a huge amount to like call it professional salespeople in the States. And amounts of articles and still to this day, like people can tell me what they want. A cold call is still the most uncomfortable thing in this world. Like you pick up the number and I I know that from experience, you already made the conversation in your mind, you know, okay, cool. I'm going to phone this guy. He's going to be like, who the hell are you? And now you need to come up with objections. But again, like you look at the call center people, like that's what they do for a living. Yeah. Like they freaking irritating and they frustrate the living daylights out of you. But I think that's a tenacity which business owners need to have is it's going to suck. Don't get me wrong. Like you said, I think if we had to go back into your sheet, you probably done 350 cold calls to get that one really rough stats. But um, sometimes you just got to get it done because like you say, it's that one breakthrough that you get to say like, oh, wow, this actually works. And then you just build on that momentum. It's something that someone always told me and it's something that stuck with me is that Every no you get is closer 100%. to a yet. And you know, there, there are so many, there's so many opportunities that you can create for yourself as well, just around that. Just, you know, we were talking about, you know, creativity pops up every now and then. And you were saying something about yeah, say accountant firm or lawyer firm, you know, earlier. And it's just those, you know, it's not just the sales opportunities, but the media opportunities. You know, you can go, you're an accounting firm and there are there are so many of them around you. And you go, you know, what makes me different? And you can try and do positioning and all of that. And, you know, that might help and creativity will help. But what's really going to help is you go like, hmm, okay, everybody thinks accountants are boring. 
pick up the phone, phone your local radio station and um, ask the DJ or the producer guy, actually, don't you guys want to talk to someone that really loves accounting and find out why we think it's exciting? And boom, they're going to interview you on air. You know, it's stuff yeah. like that that's really going to get your name out there in front of people. You know, someone might hear it and go like, huh, interesting. I want to talk to these guys. I need this. Or I know someone that needs this. It's yeah. those little things. So you can be proactive, not just in your sales call, but in your creativity. You don't need to take a billboard or, or like a TV ad to do that. There are hundreds of ways that you can just be a little bit creative. Just And it goes with you picking up a phone usually and phoning someone. Like there's so many people that would collaborate with you. We had this idea at the beginning of the year where we were going to phone one of the big newspapers and say, look, give us a, a full page advert, which is, I think at that point, like 120,000 grand. And, yeah. you know, we'll work back the hours for you and creative, whatever creative you need, you know, we'll do wow. flipping, we'll do flipping um, birthday Dishes. cards for all your staff <laughs> if, we, if you need, like we've got the time, you know, we do that barter. Yes. And, um, you know, we got so busy with other that we never finished that. But the guy came back to us and said, cool, let's go for it. Yeah. So, you know, it's just those little things that you can do and just try it. People usually say yes. And if they say no, nah, it's fine. We'll move on to someone else. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly just what I wanted to add, especially the small business owners. Like, don't be like Simon says, it is super crappy to pick up the phone. But ask the questions. Ask people. The worst they can say is no. But what if they say, yes, it could change your business? Like you said, with the newspaper thing, imagine you do get a massive newspaper ad and then it, like, imagine just the repercussions of it. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly yeah. that. I just encourage people, ask more questions, have more phone calls, connect with more people um, and everything like that. And then Danny, I just want to know we're running out of time, but if you did, um, we've spoken about the big brands that you work on. If you had to give one, maybe one to three tips just to help small business owners or people that are just about to start their business, how to be more creative. Um, I know you've mentioned it briefly throughout the show, but how can they just um, amp up their creativity? It seems quite easy for you, but me that's not creative, how could I, I find it? Or must I just use you? So the creativity is such an interesting thing. And the one thing that we always say to people is of being creative, everybody's creative. I mean, we always, I mean, we sit in so many meetings where someone goes like oh I, you know i've got an idea but i'm not creative and it's like no bullshit everyone's creative just don't be afraid of it don't tell yourself you're not creative um you know i was at a talk this one surgeon came up to me and is like but in a field like mine like I'm, like there's no creativity and i asked him like who are the who are the who are the top guys in your up to and respect and i asked him do you think they're creative and how they approach things and he's like Oh, actually, yeah. When you realize that creativity is not just drawing, it's problem solving. And so just, so step one, don't be afraid of creativity. Every, anybody can be creative. Um, I think step two is bounce ideas, share your ideas with a lot of people, like get feedback from it, get comfortable with people critiquing your ideas, building on them, um, get comfortable with giving people feedback or bouncing of their ideas or building upon their ideas. Um, if you've got a small business and you're bouncing ideas, you know, everybody thinks, well, it's, you know, it's my idea. I can't yeah. tell anybody. I'm going to be, you know, the next big thing or whatever. Bounce those ideas, you know, get input, hold on it. Um, and then as well, PR. I th you know, I spoke about PR right at the start. And, you know, PR is just such a magic tool for a small business. I know a lot of people get, get um, 
you know, they get stars in the eyes with all of the latest social platforms um, and all of that, you know, be on, should my kind of, I, I build fire trucks for a living, should I be on TikTok, that type of thing? And maybe <laughs> yes, you know, I don't know, maybe that strategy works fantastic for you and, you know, that could be some incredible content you just hosing stuff with your fire truck but yeah. you know <laughs> the thing is going to be you know it's going to be that phone your local newspaper phone your business press share your thoughts with them share new stuff with them ask them you know have you ever done an interview with someone that builds a fire truck actually i have a friend yeah. that builds fire trucks um hence the random example nice. but they, you know just Phone up your local radio station, phone up your local radio, your um, newspaper. They're always, always looking for local stories. They're mm. looking for local content. Mm. Um, you might be, you know, what you do day in, day out might be boring to you in a way, might not be boring, might be a lot of people doing it, but none of them have asked to be on the radio. So yes. just get out there, just put yourself out there. I think that's the, that's the easiest way. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's 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 also the the big powerful thing, and you know, touching on all three of these because I think it touches each each of them is too often people get stuck on you read a business book and you think that's a traditional way of doing it. You know, when I start a business, I need to do it this way. I can't be creative. I can't share my idea, and you know what? I can't put it in a newspaper. But I think it's exactly that. It's looking at okay, cool. This is a traditional way of doing business, but like, how do we break the mold? Because um, exactly like you say, I think people nowadays are too scared to say like, oh, no, we can't do that. You know, we we can't. A, a good example. So like we're an ERP focused company. And uh, for us, we, we never did direct um, interactions with customers. And we actually came up with this campaign where what we did is we got little gifts. We targeted key people in the organization and we went to drop off this little gift to the you know CEO. Now you've got this salesman walking in the reception. We acted like we were delivery guys. We're like, hey, cool. We've got a delivery for Danny. The receptionist was like, what the heck? Because it was a surprise gift. You know, I don't want to share it in case someone's listening. I'm not going to share this one. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was a, the whole power of reciprocation because now the CEO yeah. is like, I didn't order anything. Like maybe my wife did. He comes down like, oh, he has a gift. I've not given you something. I'm asking for information and very quickly we know if there's an opportunity or not. But I think it's exactly that is sometimes you need to just challenge the mold and also experiment. Like it's either going to work or it's not. And if it works, you're going to get amazing success. If not, ah, oh, cool. Just try something new, you know? Yeah. But you, you touched on something. I mean, that's great. I mean, it's stuff like that. That's yeah. You're making a direct thing. You're making every one of those little gifts that you put down work for you in some way. Okay. So, you know, there's this, perception of, of what an entrepreneur is. You have to be super driven. You know, it's the, it's that whole entrepreneur startup act, the white shirt, the brown shoes, the Apple watch, the, you know, the fancy space gray, Apple Mac, yeah, always into kind of networking and, and, and angel capital. And um, it's, you know, you have to read the entrepreneur mag and you have to be up at like 5am to like do your yoga and do your, kind of emails and, and all of that in your smoothie before eight and you know you've already clapped like 10 meetings by 10 and, and four hours know, of meditation and four hours of stretching 100 that's it that's it and, and you know and that's before and, six eh? <laughs> that's before six and oh you have to like fail four times a day yes and talk about how you failed four times a day and something and you know I'm, I'm not knocking that but i've never felt like i'm that i mainly wear sneakers and t-shirts and i 
terrible at waking up early in the morning and you know but it's just I'm, I'm doing it in my way and I think it's okay if your mold doesn't you know fit in with what's out there just do it your way what you're feeling comfortable with what you think will work for you don't get you know I can I can, I can you know, see a lot of entrepreneurs trying to fit into this mold and trying to you know just emulate what they see out there and it's just like just focus on what you do well and how you want to do it that's why you work for yourself you know to be yeah. able to just do what makes you feel comfortable to deliver the value that you want to do in the world yeah definitely and i think that's a great um ending to this episode danny thanks so much for for your time um luckily we didn't have to wake you up super early to record <laughs> this episode but thank you so much for having a beer with us and for sharing so openly you know you've told us about the four levers that you guys have with your clients you've given us the the three tips for small businesses to help them be creative and then now at the end i think it's been really encouraging for our entrepreneurs it's the the buzzword at the moment but stop putting yourself in a mold and just go for it so danny just before we go will you just let us um let our listeners know where they can find out more about you is it about visiting the website or where can they get in touch um, with Danny? Thank you, gents. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, my vintage draft uh, went down very, very well. Um, Champion. I decided not to do the craft beer route, but something that I worked <laughs> on way back when. Um, uh, thank you for, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. It's been an absolute blast chatting to you guys. Um, keep up the good work with your podcast. Um, in terms of reaching out if, or checking out what we want to do, kilmerandcruise.com. Uh, that's spelled the same way Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise's surname is spelled. Uh, you might see a couple of Top Gun puns on the site. Um, go for it. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, if any of your listeners have got any questions, feel free to kind of uh, connect with me there. I'm most active there. Um, otherwise, hit us up on the website. All of our details are on there. We've got some of our work on there. Our showreel is on there. And yeah. Looking forward to uh, seeing what you guys come up with more. Brilliant.